Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Trayvon Martin, Brianna Taylor, Ahmad Aubrey, George Floyd. These lives mattered. Hey guys, my name is Aaron DeLong. I'm the lead pastor here at Simple Church. Thanks for being with us today. Um, unfortunately, my heart is heavy, and I feel like as your pastor, we need to step into what is an uncomfortable conversation. We've got some issues, and we need to talk about them. Because there's an issue that is storming across our country right now. In the wake of the pandemic that we are in the middle of and the recent deaths of George Floyd and Ahmaud Aubrey, our entire country is crying out right now. And the reason that they're crying out is because of an issue that we need to own called racism. This is not just person-to-person racism. This is systemic racism that flows through our police departments, our justice systems, the job markets, our correctional programming, and it is unjust. And this injustice that we have continued to ignore as a country and as a people and even as the church has communicated to black people that you cannot drive while black. You can't jog while black. You can't shop in a store while black. You can't chill in your grandma's backyard while black. You can't walk home wearing a hoodie while black. And you can't stand in front of a window in your own home while black. And you can't even go to church while black. And these beliefs and concerns that they now hold as truths should be heartbreaking to us. And I'm here as your pastor to say, enough is enough. Now to be clear, I don't believe that racism has gotten worse in the last few years or in the last 20 years, I I don't feel that way. In fact, I feel like it's been bad. I feel like that we are now seeing more and more of it play out because of cameras, also because we're in the middle of a pandemic and a lot of us aren't working. We're able to pay attention to what's going on in the world, the social injustices, all of it that is being spread, not not only across the news, but across our social media feeds. We're able to see the systemic racism that is playing out for our black brothers and our black sisters. And people of all skin color are getting involved. They're protesting some peacefully and others are rioting in the streets as a result. Now to be clear, I'm not on board for the rioting and the destruction of property and that you know violence is begetting violence. I'm not for that. I don't believe that's part of the solution. However, there is something we can understand in it. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, that the reason people are rioting is because they feel like their voices have not been heard. Today, my prayer for all of us is that we will listen, that we'll lean in and be willing to hear my heart as a pastor, but also God's heart from his word on the issue of racism. Now today, of course, I'm, I know that a lot of progress has been made on the subject of racism here in America, that, that segregation, we no longer have segregation. And some of you will say, we're not racist. Look what we did, you know? And yes, that happened a long time ago, but the, I think the thought patterns, I think the attitudes, and I think some of the issues of racism are still prevalent in our heart and are impacting and affecting the systems that we have here in this country that are ultimately oppressing our black brothers and sisters. 
we have a lot of work left to do. There's a lot of attitudes, a lot of hearts, a lot of thoughts and systems that need to reflect not only God's values, but our country's values that we find clearly written in the Declaration of Independence. Thomas Jefferson said this, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, racism's existence denies the equality of mankind. So we've got to do the difficult work of stepping into these kind of conversations, to having these kind of talks, to ensure that equality and justice are for all mankind, not just for white men and women, but for our black brothers and sisters as well. And here's, here's the truth. Before we can do that work, I think there's a couple things we've got to grapple with. The first one, of course, is just simply acknowledging the issue because I think there are people amongst our community and in this country for sure that are saying racism is not a thing. It's something that's being trumped up by a political agenda or an organization here. It's the media doing this. And it's like, no, we actually need to come to grips with the fact that racism is real, that there's no denying it, that we are seeing it play out. That racism is a present problem that is plaguing all of us here in our country. Sun Tzu said this in his book, The Art of War, that if you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. And we are in a battle, guys. And we need to be able to identify our enemy and we need to know ourselves as well. And we must acknowledge and identify that racism is our enemy and that part of that is within us as well in order to win. Let me say it this way. There must be a revealing before there can be a healing. We have to acknowledge the issue exists or we're never going to, to work at making it better. It's just like when you're sick or when you've broken a bone. You don't get any of those things fixed unless you go to the doctor and reveal the symptoms and the issues and you show him where it hurts. Like my arm hurts. I need this taken care of. You gotta have a revealing before there is a healing. Consider this, go to God's word and you'll see that our relationship even with God begins based on us acknowledging our need for a savior. Grace is available to us. Jesus finished the work on the cross, but the way that we receive that help, the way that we receive that healing and that forgiveness, the way that we make it our own is by acknowledging first our need for a savior, acknowledging our own sinfulness. And that's when he's able to step in and allow what he did on the cross to forgive us. We have to acknowledge that first. So if we refuse to acknowledge the issue of racism that is here in our country today, the pain will continue to remain. We've got to acknowledge, Houston, there's a problem, and it's racism. The next thing we need to do and to know before we can do the work is that racism isn't a skin issue, it's a sin issue. Racism isn't a skin issue, it's a sin issue. It is something that is rooted deep within us. It is a symptom of sin. We were born in a fallen world, born with a sin condition within us that yes, Christ forgives us, but we are, the Holy Spirit is doing a work within us and it's a constant work within us to make us more like him. We're all of us, every single one of us, in process, being made more like him, but we've still got issues within us. Sin resides within our hearts. 
We need God ultimately to come in and to change our hearts. James 2.9 says this, but if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. That's racism. You're giving favor to one group of people over another because of their, their background, because of their skin color, because of their wealth, because of their political agendas, because of their organization, because of their, of their, their cause, whatever that may be. To show favor to some people over others is a sin. Racism is not a skin issue. It's a sin issue. And God wants to deal with all of us in this. You also need to know that as Christ followers, we've got a responsibility here. We have a responsibility to stand with those who are oppressed. Because all of those who are oppressed are near and dear and close to the heart of God. In fact, Jesus said this when he was talking in Matthew 25. He said, you know, when you gave a cup of water, when you, when you went and visited me in the prison, when you helped those that were oppressed, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. See, when you stand or don't stand with those who are oppressed, Jesus takes it personally. It's important to him. And as a result of it being important to him, it should be important to us because he also identified when you didn't serve these people that were oppressed, then you denied me as well. So we have to take a stand. We have to choose to stand with our black brothers and sisters right now. We need to acknowledge the racism in ourselves Acknowledge the racism that is prevalent in the systems in this country and seek God for change within us. So, so here's how we do it. Because here, here's what you need to know. Racism isn't a new trend. It's not something brand new to our community and to our world. Racism has existed since the very beginning of time. You see it play out all throughout the Old Testament, whether it was because it was tribe on tribe or whether it was because of the God that they worshiped or the country that you came from, it existed. Even in the New Testament, we see Jesus stepping into a, a culture and an environment where racism was prevalent. In fact, they had five different people, people groups that you could identify within the, the Jewish culture and context. First was the Jews. The Jews believed that they were better than everyone else. That they, they literally looked down on everyone else and felt like they could not even associate with anybody else who was not a Jew. In fact, they had a name for anybody who was not a Jew, and they called them a Gentile, okay? And the Gentiles, uh, the, they, they would not even fellowship with them. They even included it in their laws that they could not associate with a Gentile. Otherwise, they were unclean and they would have to go through a ceremony in order to be cleansed uh, to be able to engage in worship again. So, so we've got the Jews and then we've got, like I said, the Gentiles, everyone that was not a Jew and the Jews looked down on the Gentiles. And then we have another people group that were the slaves and no matter how they got into slavery, whether they submitted to it because of, of a debt that they owed or because they were sold into slavery, they, they existed as slaves and they served in those households and were not free men. But along the way so that we get to the fourth group, some slaves were able to buy back or serve their time and become what were known as freedmen. And here's the thing, they had earned their freedom, but even the slaves and the Jews and the Gentiles, the masters still looked down on them and treated them like they were slaves, even though they had earned their freedom. And then the last group of people that were oppressed in this time, in this culture that Jesus is in, is simply women. 
They had no rights and no voice. And I love that. When, this is not, not about what today's message is about, but Jesus elevated women like no one else did. And in fact, he, he did so by sending out the message that he had risen from the dead, giving that message to a woman and saying, go and tell the men. And so, and man, it's just, it's just powerful. That's another message for another day. But we have these five groups of people that were, that existed in this culture. And this is the environment of prejudice, of prejudice, excuse me, and racism that Jesus lives in. And so we pick up in Luke 10, verse 25 through 28, where Jesus is teaching. And it says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? Well, how do you read it? And the man answered, well, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus' response was, right, do this and you will live. So what Jesus essentially did, and this, this, uh, this expert in the religious law did, was he, they summarized over 600 Jewish laws in one word, love. And it drives home the point that in any circumstance we find ourselves in, that we must ask one question. What does love require of us? That if all of the laws, if all of God's heart can be summarized in one word, love, what does love require of us? These verses in Luke continue in uh, verse 29. says, the man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who's my neighbor? Because he's trying to figure out well, well, let's get specific, Jesus. Who is my neighbor? And, uh, and so Jesus, Jesus obviously responds because the man wants to know, who's my neighbor? Is it my next door neighbor? Is, it, is my neighbor somebody that's within my communities or my social circles? Is it somebody with my skin color? Is it someone in my career path? Who is my neighbor? What defines that? And Jesus just answers with a story. And he's masterful at telling these stories. And he says this, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him uh, half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. So, so basically, a pastor a, 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 of the day, a, a religious leader, a leader of a church. And then he says, a temple assistant walked over. So this is a church staff member walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Now, what Jesus is about to do is create some racial tension in the story because the Jewish, this was a Jewish man who was attacked and left half dead on the road. And there were these other Jews who had a cultural obligation to him. They looked like him. They belonged to his tribe. They belonged to his community. And yet, and they were leaders who were misbehaving and so Jesus goes on to say, then a despised Samaritan came along. And he said despised Samaritan because the Samaritans were a group of people um, that, that they were half-breeds. The Jewish people looked down on them because they were Jews that had intermingled and married and had children with Gentiles. And so the Samaritans were considered dogs. They were despised. And so Jesus uses that language to capture that moment. And he says, then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. So the ones with the cultural obligation, the ones that looked like him, belonged to his circle, they didn't stop. But the one who was outside of it, the one who had no cultural obligation to him, did stop. 
And you need to understand that in this moment when Jesus would have talked about this, this would have been a moment that would have just made the stomach of the people listening to it wretch. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen something that has made you physically ill, but years ago I was watching this show and it will remain unnamed, but they had this, this little stunt in it called a sweatsuit cocktail that anytime I think about, <laughs> anytime I think about it, to this day my stomach still turns and it just makes me, Makes me want to vomit. This, <coughs> well, excuse me. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that on camera, but holy cow. Those moments are real. This is what Jesus is trying to do is create a moment that would cause them to feel something physically, to understand. So then he asked the group, he says, so who showed themselves to be a neighbor? And the man responds, of course, the, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus told, tells him to go and do likewise. So he answers here, what love would require of us. He says, go and do likewise. In the face of racism, here's what we must do. We must reject it. We absolutely must reject racism. When it comes to what love requires us in the face of this, we've got to push it aside. We've got to say, no, thank you. We've got to say to in all of its forms, in the jokes, in the comments, in our practice, in our attitude, with our colleagues, the people that we spend time with, if they are choosing to walk out and live out racism, we must reject it in all forms. And that means you may need to cut some relationships out of your life. But racism is something we can reject because it's not part of us. It isn't genetic, it is learned, it is taught and caught. And here's the hope. And what you need to know is that because we know we learned it, we can also know we can unlearn it, right? That's, that's, we can, we can grapple with that. We learned it, we can unlearn it. And so rejecting racism requires us to acknowledge it within ourselves. And I know that that's a tough thing to do. I know that you want to push back and say, I'm not racist. I have black friends. I'm not racist. I've got a biracial child. I'm not racist. My spouse is black. I'm not racist. I work with black people. Those things don't make you an anti-racist, by the way. Those things do not qualify you that, uh, for, for that. Rejecting racism requires you to be brutally honest with yourself, to do an examination, to search your heart and your mind. And you say, Aaron, what am I searching for? You're searching for any prejudice whatsoever that exists. Prejudice is simply prejudging of someone. It's a stereotype. It's saying that all black people are this, or all Republicans are this, or all police are this, or all Christians are this, or all Muslims are this. It's stereotyping. And this prejudice will condemn many over the actions of a few. So we have to reject racism within us. We have to identify any prejudice that may remain within us, within our minds, within our attitudes and our hearts. We have to be honest about it. And then we gotta be humble enough to invite God into our hearts because you know what? Pre prejudice, racism, it's hard to look at it in the mirror. Sometimes you're just not even aware that it exists. And so the bold, those that are truly trying to upend racism in their lives to reject it, will invite God in like David did. David said this, search me, O God, and know my heart. This is Psalm 139, verse 23 through 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And I promise you that racism offends the heart of God. 
And he says, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Man, you want to you have the life that God's pro- promised you? Man, let him search you. Let him put his finger on anything in your heart. I've prayed these prayers, and these are bold prayers. These are prayers that are uncomfortable prayers because when God puts his finger on something, you now have a choice to either respond to it or not. A few years ago, I was in uh, Black Lake Park. Uh, I want to say this was 2018. And I was in Black Lake Park, and I was walking through. I had some video equipment. We were filming a message that I was doing. I was doing God's work, and uh, we were finished with it, headed back to the car, and I needed to use a restroom. This is a true story. This really happened. I'm, I'm just telling on myself. And I was headed to the restroom, but there was a young black man walking towards me who was wearing a hoodie. And all of a sudden, I had fear grip my heart, and I decided I wasn't going to go into that bathroom because I had decided in my mind that he, he might jump me, that he might steal all my stuff, and I didn't want any of that, so I just headed on to, the, to my car. And as I'm heading to the car, having previously prayed, God, search me, know me, show me any way in, you that, in me that offends you. The Holy Spirit quickened my heart, and he said, boy, that was awful racist. And I remember crying as I walked back to my car, and I just said, you're right. You're right. There's racism within me. Lord, change my heart. Deal with my sin. Forgive me. I'll turn away from that. Listen, this is what we have to do. We have to reject racism. We have to do, reject the racism, not only that is within the systems in our community, and around us, but we have to let God examine our hearts so that we can reject the racism that is within us. The next thing that will help us make our way forward on the issue of racism is to learn to listen with humility. We don't do this really well. We like to justify our position. We don't like to admit that we were wrong. It's very, very difficult for us to do that. There's two things that are hard for us to say uh, is, I was wrong, I need help. Oh, and there's a third one, and it's Worcestershire sauce. Those are three things that are really hard. It's hard for us to say we're wrong. It's hard for us to say I've got racism inside of me. It, it, for, and it's hard for us to listen to other people to learn how we are wrong. It is difficult for us to listen with humility, specifically in this time. I'll give you a perfect example. People that we, we have so many people that are protesting peacefully, I might add, and saying black lives matter. White people, black people, people of all color skin saying black lives matter. And there's a whole other group of people that are dismissing this, this, this sentiment because they're saying, well, all lives matter. And of course, all lives matter. But if you were to take time and listen with humility, you would find that the statement black lives matter is not about a political agenda. It is not about an organization. It is a succinct statement and the cry of a people who are hurting. They feel like their lives don't matter. And the statement that all lives can't matter until black lives matter is true. Because if all lives matter, then black lives matter. It's like saying, well, my arm is broken. Yeah, but the whole body is important. Yes, of course the whole body is important. That's a given. But if a part of our body is broken, And our black brothers and sisters are part of the body of Christ, by the way. If there is a part that is hurting, that is the part that we give time and attention to. We need to learn to listen with humility to people who, to to the cry of the people today. Because I'm going to tell you what, I've stepped in to some uncomfortable conversations. and, And they feel like, in response to, what's going on in this world, that their lives don't matter. 
Proverbs 21, or 12, 1 says this, to learn the truth, you must long to be teachable, or you can despise correction and remain ignorant. That's your choice. To learn the truth, you have to be teachable. To be teachable, you have to listen with humility. Or you can just choose to push away, explain away what they're saying or how they feel. Or you can explain away their experience. You can justify it. Well, it's, it's the difference between black lives matter and all lives matter. You, well, all lives matter. So that dismisses the conversation. We need to be teachable, and that requires humility, to admit that you still have much to learn, that maybe somebody's experience is different, and that their feelings are just as valid as yours. Listening with humility will lead us into understanding. And in order to gain this understanding, we have to be willing to step into this uncomfortable space to have the conversations. And a conversation will require you to listen. I've been having these kind of conversations with my black brothers and sisters. And and I've even filmed some that are going to be released for you to be able to watch. But the conversations that I've had with them led to led. Uh, to my heart just being broken. It led to an understanding that I didn't previously had. As I listened to men and women say, they fear for their son to leave the house. And every time they do, they tell him, listen, don't, if you're wearing a hoodie, don't, don't drive with your hood up. Don't wear a skull cap. Don't do this. Don't do that. And, and they warn them every time they leave the house. That's not my experience. I've never had to do that for my son or my daughter. They say that there's not a day that goes by that when they step outside of their homes that they're not discriminated against. They say they, their experience is that they get pulled over simply because they're black. Or they'll make statements like, I'm not afraid of all cops, I'm just afraid I'm gonna get a bad cop. Or I even heard one that really just broke my heart and said that, that, that up until this time they felt like their life didn't even matter. That they had no worth. That from the time they've been born they were stamped with the word, uh, with being unworthy and without equality. Or they, they fight against the battle of being not black enough or too white and rejected within their own community and outside of it. A constant place of not belonging. These are voices of pain. These are experiences that we must lean into and listen to. These, none of these stories were my experience at all. And I've never been concerned to, to run in my neighborhood. I've never been concerned to leave my house that I'm gonna face discrimination or that a bad cop is gonna pull me over. That has never been my experiences. But these, there are perspectives and experiences to gain understanding that have nothing to do with your own. And we can get those if we listen with humility. If we're willing to step into the uncomfortable conversations. You see this play out in the New Testament. For Peter in Acts chapter 10, verses 25 through 28, context here, Jesus, you know, died on the cross, resurrected, and was around, uh, was around for, for a time after he resurrected, and then he ascends to heaven. But before he does that, he tells his disciples to go out into the world. He says, go to Jerusalem, go to Judea, go to, go to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He says, go, go tell everybody, make disciples everywhere. Well, it's been 11 years since Jesus left, and guess who still hasn't left the Jewish people? Peter. And Peter was considered to be one of the, the highest level leaders uh, in, the, in the church. And so you need to understand that, that he was commissioned to go, but he didn't go. Well, why not? Racism. Watch this. Verse 25, as it says this, that so Peter has a dream and the Lord tells him to go see Cornelius. And Peter kind of pushes back. He's like, I'm not supposed to go. He's a Gentile. But it says this, as Peter entered the house 
Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence, but Peter made him get up. He said, stand up. I'm only a man myself. And while talking with him, Peter went inside the house and found a large gathering of people. And he said to them, you are well aware it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. There you go. He says, but God has shown me. In other words, he gained a perspective because he was willing to be obedient, to step into uncomfortable conversation, to listen with humility. He said, God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Jump down to verse 34. He says, then Peter began to speak. I now realize, I now realize, it's been 11 years. He walked with Jesus. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Man, that's powerful. Peter stepped into a space he was uncomfortable and he gains understanding. And it was up until that moment that he was a racist. Powerful. God showed him something different. He gained understanding and he gained perspective. And here's what you need to understand. The perspective that we need to gain is that God sees every single one of us, no matter our skin color, through the eyes of love as sons and daughters. That's powerful. My prayer is, is that this would happen for you. That you would acknowledge the racism in our world and within yourself. That you would ask God to reveal it. And that you'd learn to listen with humility, to gain understanding, to gain perspective, and to see others as God sees them. And the last thing we can do today that I'm going to share with you, there are lots of other ways, there's lots of other things we can do to fight racism in, in our world. But these are just the three. This is the third one. The way forward to eradicating racism is to elevate oppressed voices. Man, love requires that we become part of the solution. It requires that, that we use our voices to elevate the voices of those that are oppressed, to speak for those whose voices are not being heard, to elevate the cries through the use of our own voices. Proverbs 31, eight through 10 says this, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and the helpless and see that they get justice. Man, we must speak individually and in unison against racism at home, at church, among ourselves, on social media, to our leaders, as local leaders, to our politicians, and to our cities. We must come to do what Amos 5 says in verse 15. Hate what is evil, love what is right, and see that justice prevails in the courts. We cannot be silent anymore. Because our silence is violence against our black brothers and sisters right now. So it's time to acknowledge and reject all forms of racism. It's time to learn to listen with humility, to gain understanding and perspective. And it's time that we elevate the voices of the oppressed in any way that we can until racism is eradicated in the world. Now, I don't know about you, but we need to acknowledge that this will just be the beginning of the conversation. This will just be the beginning of seeing racism done with in our country and in our own hearts. There's still a lot of work to be done and we can all agree on that, amen, everybody? But, but I wanna do this because I'm in a pastoral role and I wanna give a very stark warning to anyone who would choose to dismiss this message or anyone who would choose that because of your experience that you have a right to hold on to racism and hate. In 1 John 4, 20 verses, uh, in 1 John 4, verses 20 through 21, it says this, whoever claims to love God 
yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. That's a powerful statement. That's a very powerful statement. That if you claim to love God and call yourself a Christ follower, yet you are choosing to hold on to racism and hatred in your heart for someone or a group of people because of something that one person may have done to you or what you've seen a people group do in your community, it, 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 he calls you a liar that you don't love God. He goes on to say, for whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. There is no room for racism in those, in those verses. There is no room in, a, in, in this command from God for us to love. Love requires of us that we reject racism. It requires that we allow God to deal with that sin in our life. Because here's, here's the truth. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, because here's what heaven's gonna look like when we get there. Revelation 7, 9 through 10 said, after this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the lamb. They were wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. Listen, heaven is going to have people from every race and every language and every country and every part of this world. You need to grapple with the idea that that is who you will spend eternity with because God loves them and sees them as sons and daughters and not as their skin color. And you need to get on board. You need to get on board for choosing to love them and see them as God sees them. And I know that there's some work there, but you need to know when we get to heaven, we'll be unified, not uniform. It will look very, very diverse. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. Racism will not exist there. So, so here's what's clear to me. You can hold on to your racism or you can embrace all that God has for you. Choose, choose. Let's pray. Father, today, I know this is a tough conversation. I know I'm even leaving it and ending this message in a tough spot. I know that there are people that are gonna have all kinds of emotions. They're gonna be angry at me. They're gonna feel like, like I'm pointing a finger at them and saying, it's you, and it's all of us. It's all of us. Well, however they feel, Lord, after hearing a message like this, after being exposed to the truth of your word about racism, I validate it. It's, it's real, and I know that you, that you understand it. And, and, uh, and, but God, no matter how we feel, there's a call. There is a call to reject racism. There is a call for, for us uh, to, to move past our hurts and move past our pains, Lord, to, to move past ourselves and step into this space where we listen with humility. There, there is a call for us, God, to gain perspective, to, to, un, to gain understanding, and Lord, to elevate the voices of those who are oppressed, to stand together with a united voice that enough is enough. Lord, today we pray that you would help us, help us to, to identify and dismiss our bias, our own political agendas. Help us to identify all that is offensive in our hearts today, God. And I pray, Lord, that as we do, as as because there's some of us that we that we know we're racist, we know that we have racist attitudes, Lord. But today, maybe our hearts have been pricked, and for those that, that whose hearts 
have been have been other uh, feeling some 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 uh, conviction right now, Lord. I pray, God, that that you would expose those patterns of behavior, those thoughts that are within us, Lord. And as you do. I don't know that you're not coming down on any of us. I pray that your grace would abound to each and every single one of us, Lord, because we know you're not mad at us. We know that the best part of your day is when you give us a redo, Lord, and that, that, Lord, we're coming to the table and saying, we we need your grace, we need your forgiveness, we need you to help us. So God, do that. Let Let us step into this space that is uncomfortable for us, admitting we've got an issue, we've got a problem, and we need your help, Lord. Let us experience your peace as we do. Let us experience your renewing as we do, Lord. And give us the strength each day to begin walking out this new life that you have for us where we choose to see our brothers and sisters as you see them, for not as the color of their skin, but, uh, but as children uh, of, you, of God. Lord, help us to do that. Now I'm going to take just a moment to look into this camera and let those of you that are here today know that, that God loves each and every single one of you. I, I, I don't care how, how long you may be far away from God. Maybe you walked with him at some point in time. Maybe there's been a, a period of time when you haven't walked with him that you got offended or hurt. Maybe, maybe because of racism, maybe because of some injustice and you walked away from your relationship with God. God's not mad at you. And for those of you that have never had a relationship with God, God is desperately in pursuit of your heart. He wants you to know him in the way that he knows you. And that is in an intimate way. He loves you dearly. He's not waiting on you to mess up, to hit you with a lightning bolt. He's ready to give you his best. In fact, he already did that. He gave his son Jesus to live a perfect and sinless life, to be the only one who could offer himself as a sacrifice for the sins that you and I have committed so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be restored in relationship with God. Because honestly, all of us are born with the sin condition and the sin condition separates us in relationship from God. There's nothing we can do in order to uh, have it restored, but God sent his son Jesus and he did it all for us. So today, if you're ready to enter into a relationship with God to experience his love in a powerful way and be part of a powerful movement of people who is not only looking to see racism eradicated, but is, is on a mission to see everyone in the world experience God's love. If you want to join us, then pray this prayer today. Place your faith in Jesus. He did everything. You just need to simply receive it and invite him to be Lord of your life. So if you're going to do that right now, there's a, there's a banner on the screen that says, I'm raising my hand. I'm making that commitment to be a Christ follower today. And if you're ready to do that, click that button and do it right now. Let the whole world know I'm in. I'm saying yes to Jesus. I'm going to join this movement. Of, of people that are on mission to love people the way God loves them. So, so do that right now and then pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer today, all of heaven is celebrating with you. Simple Church, can we celebrate with them over here in the comments as well? We're so proud of you. We wanna be part of your spiritual journey. And if you made that commitment today, I'm asking you to click the connect uh, card button, which is up here above the chat box. And if you'll click that, let us know. I said yes to Jesus today. We would love to get you a Bible in the mail. We would love to help you get connected with your next steps and how you can work out following Christ together. Uh, together with us because man you're not meant to do it on your own so welcome to the family a couple other things I want to share with you as we wrap up our time today 
Uh, first of all, if you are prepared to give, if the Lord has spoken to your heart, if you made a commitment to give of your tithes and your offerings, the Lord is leading you to give something today. There are several ways to do that. Uh, you can click the give button up here on your screen, or you can uh, visit it on our website, mysimple.church slash give. Uh, or you can also text to give to 84321, any dollar amount, again, to that number, 84321. And it will actually, if you're doing it for the first time, when you put in that dollar amount, it'll give you some instructions on how you set up that process. And then you, from then on, you can text to give very, very easily. But uh, thank you so much for your giving. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. Uh, you can also mail in a check. All that stuff is here. The information's on the screen. Thank you so much for your generosity. Um, think a few things you need to know before we uh, say farewell is, uh, first of all, I am so excited that tomorrow, June 15th, we launch our feeding program uh, in partnership with the Dream Center and the Children's Hunger Alliance. We are targeting a, a community within the city of Reynoldsburg, and we are going to be feeding kids uh, through the ages of 18, Monday through Friday, uh, every evening, giving, passing out prepackaged meals. And there's actually a link that's being shared, no matter how you're watching this right now, uh, so that you can, you can join us, you can register. We need three people every day to join our staff and our team uh, to pass out those meals. So if you'd like to do that, the first two weeks of serving is available right now. We would love for you to join us and be part of the team that is serving our community, giving out those meals. What an incredible opportunity and impact we have to make here. Also, Father's Day is next Sunday, and so we are celebrating dads, and the way that we're doing that is we are giving every dad a car wash and a yummy treat. The way you receive that car wash, you've got to register by June 17th. That's this Wednesday, so that we can have those prepared for you, and then you'll pick them up right here at the church on June 20th uh, between 10 a.m. and 11 a.m., but you can click the link that is also being shared right now for you to uh, be able to register your dad or as a dad uh, yourself, you can do that. And also this week is coming up, June 18th is Third Thursday. Man, we're so pumped about that. It is Leadership Lessons for Life. Please join us, man. You are a leader because you have influence. There is so much you can gain from that. We air it at 6.30 p.m. Uh, and then again at the next uh, the next hour, I believe it airs at is 7.30 p.m. Uh, but uh, join us, invest in your leadership, invest in yourself. We are, we, we are so excited to be able to do that. It's one of our favorite times of the month. So make sure you make a plan to join us. All right, well, having said all that, we love you guys. Thank you so much for hanging in for such a, a, a difficult conversation. Know that I love you. Know that I, I want all that God has for you and know that we are here to walk with you through these difficult conversations. God bless you guys. We'll see you back here next week at Simple Church.